Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to prevent the apostles from acquiring plutonium using any means at your disposal. If you or any members of your IMF team are caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Good luck, Ethan. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Tatum. And I'm Geneva. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Hello, Geneva. Hello, Tatum. We're back for another week. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) A hesitation in your voice. (laughs) I I was going to say slowly dying. That's not true. I, uh, you know, I understand. That's where I felt like I was a few weeks ago. And now, now that's where you are. And that's just the cycle of what it is to be a person who works. (laughs) So, like, being an adult, basically. Yeah, basically. No one told me that this is what adulthood would be. Um, yeah. Have you been watching anything, anything fun this week? Yeah. What have I, let me see. What have I been watching? Well, actually I wanted to talk about the fact that, um, so I've told you this before, but just so it's on the podcast record. Um, so my brother and I've been going through Twin Peaks. It's my first time. Yes. We just, um, in the last episode, we're in, we're in the middle of season two and the last episode we watched is the one in which they reveal who killed Laura Palmer. And Ooh. I won't spoil it for anyone who's not seen it. Um, <laughs> Even though it but... came out like 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like 30 years ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it was a, it's, I mean, the entire show is really well done. I know you're not as big a fan of season two. I actually like season two quite a bit. Um, but I thought this episode in particular, which is really well done when they, um, as they reveal kind of what Laura's experience had been like and kind of filling in what her what her life had been like and how that had led up to the event of her death um the the sort of sound design and the filmmaking and the scene in which it's re- finally revealed you know the the monster basically that's lurking inside this person is it's really terrifying it's really scary um, and yeah, I, my brother and I had a, a great conversation af- about it afterwards. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really good episode of television and I'm excited to watch the rest of the show. Um, because now that the mystery has been revealed, I mean, there's still so many balls in the air and I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> Certain storylines are going. So I'm very excited to see. What, what episode happen. is that of season two? It was episode, well, the episode's are they're called like chapters basically and season two is a continuation of season one so the first episode of season two was like chapter nine or chapter 11 or something like that so this was chapter 14 but i think it's about halfway through maybe a third through season two i'm not quite sure how long season two is okay gotcha hmm interesting Yeah. yeah i feel like i'd kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit by that point. I feel like the first two episodes of season two I was obsessed with, and then I was like, what? Mm-hmm. 
what are we doing? What's going on here? <laughs> and then I kind of just gave up for a lot of, I mean, I didn't give up yeah. in terms of stop watching it, but I was very disengaged until the last two episodes of that season. I was like, ah, this is what I've been okay, waiting I'm for. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah. I think one thing about season two, I don't know if this is what caused you to disengage, but one thing I noticed about season two is it is, it's bringing in some more sitcom elements, which I think is a, for me, is a, a continuation of what they're doing in season one, where se- season one is there's a lot of soap opera elements that it's kind of remixing and commenting on. And in season two, that continues, but it also brings in a lot of kind of wacky sitcom blots, you know, where, um, oh, no, this, uh, this the receptionist is out. And so the deputy has to take over and he doesn't know how to take a message, and you know, like crazy things like that. And so it gets very goofy at times, which I enjoy and appreciate, but I don't know if that specifically is what caused you to disengage. Well, I don't know if you know this or if your brother told you this. I'm assuming maybe he has, but I know that in um, in season two, very famously, David Lynch kind of was not involved for a lot of it. And then he came back for the for the last two episodes so in my opinion, I think it's very clear that he disappeared and his particular tone and his voice is not present. I feel like it's very clear that other people are now writing this and directing this. And it just feels like a totally different, weird sidebar mm-hmm. that just doesn't connect that well. And then at the end, David Lynch is like, all right, let me tie this all together and end this <laughs> in, a, in a place you know, that, that I can own because yeah. I'm the one who created this story. Yeah, I, I had heard that vaguely, although I don't know anything about the circumstances. Was it was it his choice to leave for a bit and come back? Or was there some sort of political struggle going on at the studio? Do you know why it is that he wasn't as involved? Was he making other things? I don't I don't remember specifically what it was. I don't think he was making other things. And I do think it was his choice to leave. I don't think it was him being forced out or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember the specific details of it, but... Yeah. Okay. I haven't watched Twin Peaks in a while, so I I don't remember. Like, it's been years since I've seen it, so I don't remember all the details. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Also, if you, I mean, we've talked about this before, but if you like Laura Palmer and her backstory, you should watch Firewalk with me. It's very good. Oh yeah, I definitely plan once I finish original Twin Peaks to do that, and then to do uh, the Return as well. I have the Return on DVD, so if you, uh, because I don't think you have a, yeah, I don't think you have a Showtime subscription, so. If oh, you, it's on Showtime. I thought. Yeah. I thought it was on Netflix, but. No. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. I thought. Wasn't so there something to... that? Oh, wasn't there something that originally aired on Netflix? Twin Peaks was. Uh, I mean, the original show they had it on Netflix for a while. Okay. But they're, I could have sworn. Okay. I guess. Yeah, I it's guess definitely I'm... not Netflix. It's Showtime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the other thing is, uh, so my brother and I are also watching The Expanse together. And um, which that's is a show I've recommended to you. That's got to be your second times. time, right? Because you've seen yeah. it before. I've seen it before. He's never seen it. So we're we're now, I think, about halfway through season two as well. And um, I mentioned last week that I'd started watching this um, very bad <laughs> show on that's on Amazon Prime, which is um, it's called The Rig. It's a British show about a the members of a um a scottish like oil drilling rig and this mysterious uh fog rolls in and cuts off all their communications they're like what's going on and as the season has gone on i mean this show is not good it's 
it's not good at all. But as the season's gone on, it's more and more become a ripoff of The Expanse. Oh, and so okay. I just watch it. I'm like, man, <laughs> just, <laughs> just want to be watching The Expanse right now. <laughs> so if any of you out there are not aware, The Expanse is a fantastic sci-fi show. Um, it just ended last year. There's, I think, six seasons total. And yeah, it's it's great. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's been on my list for a while because I do feel like I mean it's been recommended to me by a lot of people except for yeah. Tatum. This is your cup of tea, <laughs> and I'm like, I know it's Game of Thrones just, in space. I well, yeah. I mean, I watched the first episode and I was like, that guy is a Jon Snow knockoff. <laughs> like, yes, he they is. definitely <laughs> did that on purpose. Um, but for me, I just think. I think I've told you this before when I've watched it. I think I've watched the first episode twice now. And each time I watch it, I'm like, I need to have the brain space dedicated to learn and understand this world because it's very complex. And I just haven't been in like a brain space whenever I've tried to watch it to be willing to like really commit the energy that it takes. So um, I also I think it's based on books, right? I would love to read the books. It is. yeah. 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 It's based on a book series. Yeah. I find it easier for me to understand world building when I'm reading it versus watching it. Um, but obviously I will engage with both of those things. Um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Sounds like you've been watching some good stuff this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Also watched the pilot episode of Mad Men last night. Cause I was just, ah. I'm hankering to start rewatching Mad Men and I'm very excited to um, rewatch the rest of the show. That show is so good. You saw that I just bought all the Blu-rays for it the other day, right? Uh, is that you found it at them at like a charity shop or something? I found them at, at a thrift store. I found them at a Salvation Army and they're literally Blu-ray discs. And I opened them to see like what the quality of the discs were to see if they were scratched, Mm -hmm. not scratched at all. Pretty like (sighs) basically brand new. And they were selling them for (laughs) $1.95 each. And I was like, I'm so 100% I'm buying these. that's one of the things I love about streaming because everyone's selling their stuff and I'm like Mm -hmm. well I'll buy it one person's trash is another person's treasure um because I've been wanting to rewatch that for a while but I also don't want to pay for AMC plus so um, yeah it's on I'm watching it on Amazon Prime but it's free with ads so Uh, oh I that's just season Mm -hmm. one though right or is it all the seasons um that's a good question i'm only watching season one now so okay. i can't say if the other seasons are on or now or not okay i think amazon does that for a few shows i think it i think they do it for the americans i could be wrong uh which yeah, is this, a show that several... you still need to watch geneva so i yes i know <laughs> well ah. i need to finish the the leftovers first um that's a show that it's very good but i just have a very difficult time with it and so it, it's taking me a long time to to get through it yeah. What do you mean you have it? I mean, do we want to go on this tangent? I'm curious. Like, what do you mean you have a difficult time with it? What does that mean? Well, I specifically stopped on the episode in which this in season two. When, careful of spoilers. Um, careful of spoilers. <laughs> Pastor Matt and his wife are stranded outside of the town and they're oh, trying okay. to get back inside. And it just got uh-huh. so stressful for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I think yeah. it was a stressful moment in my life as well. And so I just oh, stopped okay. there. And I keep meaning to go back to it, but I just, you know, when you really care about a character and things are just really bad for them, it can be hard to get back into it. Yeah, that episode's a hard one for sure. Yeah. Um, But it's really good. I really, really like the uh, season two so far. But Yeah. Yeah. I love that show. Love that show. And The Americans. If you haven't watched either of those things, people, go watch them because they're excellent. 
Um, anyway, okay. Well, uh, I have not really watched anything. <laughs> um, I did, I did go see Close though yesterday. It came to the, oh, yeah. to the Music Box Theater in Chicago. Um, not, so this is a movie that was nominated for Best International Feature at the Oscars. Um, and I was like, I need to see this movie because I, I was, frankly, I was kind of annoyed because I was like, how did this movie get nominated for Best International Feature? Even though none of us have had access to see it, it's not even being released in the U.S. until like February or March. Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? Um, but after watching it, I th- this is the type of movie that I feel like it was made for, for me. <laughs> it, it was definitely like it's it's a twenty four. It's very g- just contemplative and emotional and simple, but beautiful, but complex, but family dynamics and grief and blah. It was very, very good. Uh, I went to go see it with two friends, and <laughs> this is not a movie to wear mascara to. Uh, all of us, like, when the movie was over, and we were like, Does, what does my face look like? Is my mascara all over my face? Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? Not a dry eye in the theater. Everyone was like, everyone in the theater was like, oh, we should have brought tissues because this is crazy. <laughs> I knew the movie was going to be sad. No, I won't say sad. I knew the movie was going to be emotional but I did not expect it to be as I don't like as emotional as it was as emotionally devastating as it was for like (laughs) the entire film, the the whole, Mm -hmm. Oh man, it was rough. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not a movie you watch if you want to have a good time. Uh, but that being said, it's very powerful. It's, it's, I don't know if I can even say one of my favorite movies of 2022 because I didn't even see it until 2023. Um, but for the sake of awards season of Oscars, whatever, it's one of my, like, I think I made it my number three or number four film of 2022. So, oh wow, um, very, very good. Very upsetting. Uh, you might need to, I don't know, go home and sob for a little bit after you finish it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I literally finished the movie and I, like I was sitting there with my hand over my face and I was deep breathing, trying mm-hmm. to calm myself down to keep my, like I was oh. on the verge of breaking out into saw, like sobs, mm-hmm. heavy, heavy sobs. I was like, <laughs> it's fine. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was really intense. And well, I, I did told- that just last night with the movie. I just, last night I watched Stella Dallas, which is a 1930s movie. About Geneva, a, um, you watched a 1930s movie? I That's know, shocking, I know. Shocking. <laughs> but it's about this mother-daughter relationship where the mother is kind of lower class and, and her daughter, her husband, who she's estranged from, is higher class. And so she's trying to um, give her daughter a really good life. But, you know, she she has to make these sacrifices for her daughter and her daughter kind of knows it and and doesn't want her to make these sacrifices but they need to be made and like I don't want to give too much away but yeah it was the same experience where the movie ended and I just sat there for like five minutes and just sobbed <laughs> yep it's the and, power of cinema mm-hmm. it's cathartic it. it really it is. is I love it um okay let's move on um <laughs> yeah from movies that made us cry to movies yeah. that made us stand up and cheer question mark yeah so uh the reason why i kind of was just like hey let's talk about what we've been watching for longer than normal is because i almost feel like i don't 
even though I chose this movie and I love this film, I feel like I don't really have much to say about it, if that makes sense, because I was sitting down with my notebook and I literally took no notes because I was like, how do I even, what do I just write down? This is cool. That's awesome. This is super <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Over and over, you know? So I have no idea how long or how productive this conversation <laughs> is going to be. Um, but, you know, we'll see. If this ends up being like a 40-minute episode, that's yeah. fine. Uh, but, yeah. Okay. So um, today on the show, we will be discussing – whoa, not disgusting. We will be <laughs> – We will be disgusting. Yeah, we will be disgusting. Um, today on the show, we will be discussing Christopher McQuarrie's 2018 action-packed thrill ride, Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth in one of the most popular film franchises of all time. Leading the cast is one of cinema's biggest stars, Tom Cruise, along with Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, and Henry Cavill. The film follows Ethan Hunt and his IMF team as they hunt down the nuclear weapon plutonium from the unknown John Lark and his team of global assassins who hope to bring about peace by destroying the world order. Stopping their plans will prevent the collapse of society as we know it. So that was my attempt at writing a plot description for <laughs> I a movie that was gonna honestly say, makes I no sense. I have no idea how you sum up the plot of this movie, apart from just being like, Ethan Hunt. Stopping stop something from happening. Bad guys save world. And he has yeah. a really hard time doing it. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, I mean, I don't know if we want to go um, quite yet into sort of our experiences with the movie, but the very first time I saw this movie, you know, in theaters, the plot was completely incomprehensible to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just remember yeah. walking out of the theater being like, that was cool, but what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that was my same, my same sentiment. And honestly, I think a lot of people feel that way of like this movie, if you really pay attention is like mm-hmm. really just tying a bunch of things together that don't entirely make yeah. sense, but it well, works because it gets him from point A mm-hmm. to point B with lots of obstacles. In his yeah. Mind. Well, I have to admit, I've seen this movie now three times. The second two t- times since I watched them on my own, um, I was able to have subtitles on and that really helps because when you have subtitles on, you can be like, oh, that's why they need to do that thing. That's who that person is working for. That's the deal that they're making. Like, it really made sense when I watched it with subtitles on. Um, but I have no idea how anyone could follow any of what was going on. <laughs> they're not watching it with the words on the screen. I think for me, because this is also my third time watching this movie, at this point, the only part of the movie that I still genuinely do not understand is Rebecca Ferguson's character. Like, who is asking her to kill this guy? And for what reason? Because she's trying to get out of something because she's wanted for something, but she <laughs> owes a debt because I like, mm-hmm. and there's this whole scene that's, that's literally between her and hunt where they're standing in this plaza surrounded by like trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's Beautiful like, location. and he's like, what are you doing here? And she explains this whole thing. And they have this back to back banter, not banter, but just like discussion of her explaining her motives. And I literally watched it twice and I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, I understand that you, someone doesn't like you. And in order to appease them, you have to bring this John or not John Locke, the other, the other guy, you have to kill this other guy and like bring him to them. Yeah. Do you want me to explain it to you? Because I think I've got it. Liberated. But, um, 
Yes, go ahead. Okay, so in the last movie, well, you know, her career is that she works for MI6, which is the British intelligence service. You know, that's what James Bond works for. And so in the last movie, she was undercover with Solomon Lane. So it seemed like she was working for Solomon Lane, but actually she was working for MI6. And in this movie, MI6 has is basically suspicious of her because she had worked for Solomon Lane for so long. And so they told her, and they want Solomon Lane back because he was originally British. He was an MI6 agent who went rogue. So he's kind of an embarrassment to them. And he also knows a lot of you know, MI6 intel. So they basically told her, if you want to get rid of the cloud of suspicion over you and finally get out of the game so that we won't be chasing you any, no one's going to be, you know, no one on our behalf is going to be chasing you anymore. You need to kill Solomon Lane. That's the way you get out of the game. So that's her goal the entire movie is to kill Solomon Lane on behalf of MI6 so that she can finally be free. So I think, first of all, thank you for explaining that. Um, I think that perhaps the reason why I really struggled to understand that is because I, I've only seen Rogue Nation once because I don't really particularly like that movie that much, which gets into, I want us to, I want us to talk talk about about our rankings of the movies. But that movie, I saw it once and I didn't particularly like it. So I never went back. And so I don't think I really remember much from that movie at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that, not probably, I think it definitely impacted my ability to understand (laughs) her motives and her storyline in this film. Um, But yeah, okay. So that being said, um, I guess, okay, we're kind of going out of order, but that's fine. Um, I thought it would be fun, Geneva, for us to kind of share our individual rankings of um, because both Geneva and I have seen all of the films in this franchise. So I thought it would be cool for us to say our rankings. Um, So Geneva, if you want to go ahead and start by saying yours, and I guess you could start with, hmm, start with your number six and go up from there. Okay, so we're going least favorite to most favorite. Yes. Okay. Well, just for context sake, I have seen all of the movies in the franchise at least twice except for the second one because I didn't really like the second okay. one very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number six would be the second one. Um, okay. I just think it's it's okay, um, but I think it tries to be a little too James Bond. Ethan Hunt is off on its own. It doesn't have the sort of ensemble team aspect of it, which is the heart and soul of the other um, Mission Impossible movies. And yeah, just some of the early 2000s sort of cinematography and action tropes are just not not my favorite. But yeah. so that's number six. Number five would be Mission Impossible 3, which is the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain, where Michelle Monaghan's character is introduced. I like it. It's just I mean, I I like all the movies in this franchise, so, you know, none of them are bad to me. Um, But yeah, I would just, I I like all the other ones more. I would say four, well, I was going to, when I was thinking about my rankings prior to rewatching Fallout, I think I was going to tie Rogue Nation and Fallout because to Hmm. me, unlike you, I like both of those quite a bit. But I see them as very much a continuation of one to the other. Since they're both Christopher McQuarrie, they have the same, largely the same principal cast, and the stories are very tied into one another. I find it them kind of difficult to separate. But I think after rewatching Fallout, I'm going to put that one slightly higher. So I'll say um, Rogue Nation at four, Fallout at three, 
Number two, I would say Mission Impossible 1, which I rewatched a few months ago uh, over Christmas break with my brothers. And I just really like that movie. It's it's very different from where the franchise ends up, which I think is really fascinating. You know, it's, it's a Brian De Palma movie. It's much darker. There's this sort of um, kind of psychosexual thing going on between um, Ethan and the villain and uh, the villain's uh, wife and her loyalties and what all is going on with that. Um, but yeah, I really, really like that movie's vibe. And number one, I would say Ghost Protocol. And I would say that just because it was the first Vision Impossible movie, movie I ever saw. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so I had you actually got into not... the game super late. I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. It, it came out, I think, um, similar to Inception. It, it came out when I was entering college around that time. So I just have this very vivid memory of going to see it at our, my um, college movie theater with a bunch of friends. And I'd never engaged with the franchise before, apart from... I'd seen a few episodes of the original TV show, you know, the original 60s show. But for whatever reason, I'd never engaged with any of the movies before. And I just had an absolute blast. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so exciting. It's so much fun. Um, so and I've I've rewatched. That's the one I've rewatched the most. I've seen that movie a million times. So, yeah, that's my ranking. What about yours? I think. There, I mean, I'd have to look at them side by side, but I think there might be quite a bit of similarity between ours, maybe. Um, but so, first of all, I do want to say that I'm not particularly a big movie franchise person in general. What? You're um, not? <laughs> surprise, surprise. But this is my favorite film franchise. Maybe Matrix? No, this one. And Lord of the Rings doesn't count. That's not a franchise. Um <laughs> But so, yes, this is my favorite franchise. Um, so, yeah. But so my bottom one is Mission Impossible 2, um, which I think we both agree on. I think a lot of people agree on that. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty universally regarded as the weakest one. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad movie, but I just think out of all of them, it definitely is the least, um, the, I don't know, just the least engaging. I get the least excited about it. The story is not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um Number number five, I would put Rogue Nation. Um, a lot of people really like that movie. It's just something that didn't didn't connect with me. I think for me, because I loved and love Ghost Protocol so much, Rogue Nation is just so inferior to Ghost Protocol, in my opinion, mm. that it just fell from such a high height that I was like, ugh, I wanted more. Interesting. Okay. Can I ask, um, with Rogue Nation, are there elements of it that actively turn you off? Or is it more like it just doesn't connect as much as the other films in the franchise do? Yeah, it just doesn't connect as much as the other ones. I don't, okay. the story doesn't compel me. Um, I, I'm just not interested in really the story that's going on. And I think that's the main core of it. Um, so, yeah. But again, I've only seen it once and it was a while ago because I didn't particularly like it. So maybe if I were to rewatch it, I'd have a different experience. But yeah, I'm wondering since because I just found that surprising since you like Fallout so much. And like I said, I regard Fallout and Rogue Nation and Fallout as very much a continuation. You know, they're, they're directed by the same person. I think the style is very similar. The cast is very similar. The stories are very closely tied. So um yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're you're coming from. But I wonder if you rewatched it again, having, you know, now connected to Fallout so much, whether you might like it more. I think another thing that I love about these movies is that I 
I just, I love the action. There's so many memorable moments. And I feel like for me with Rogue Nation and with Mission Impossible 2, there's nothing that I remember in terms of action. There's nothing that I'm like, oh, that's the thing that I saw that really excited. Because I don't watch these movies for the story. I really don't. Like (laughs) if the story's great, that's awesome. But I really just watch it for the action pieces because they're so impressive and they're so fun. And Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise is a maniac. But I feel like with Rogue Nation... And <laughs> I feel like Mission we could Impossible do 40 2, minutes in this episode on Tom Cruise's <laughs> career and movie star persona. Alone. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with those two movies, there's just nothing that I remember. There's nothing that's like, wow, that's nothing the action that sequence out. that I really loved. And because of gotcha. that, they're just, they don't, they're not as, not as engaging to me. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Number four is Mission Impossible 3. Um, I... I, I I think the reason why I love this movie so much is because of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and his acting and his portrayal. He's I think he's one of the best villains to to come on screen in the last like thirty years. Um, I think his yeah his acting just carries me away and I love it. Um, number three is the first Mission Impossible. I think it just kicked off this franchise with a bang. There's so many things that happen where it's like oh my gosh this is. This is correct this is, because we'd never we'd never seen anything like this before because I've kind of seen these movies as they've come out. So I did see Mission Impossible pretty shortly after it came out. So maybe I was too young. I don't know. But but um, so that was the first time I was like, I've never seen anything like this. This is crazy. The tension, the suspense is insane. It's just really exciting and super fun. Hmm. Um, number two is Ghost Protocol. I I. I absolutely love that movie. I will not go on and on about it, um, but I think that movie's great. I, I really, I think even though it is number two in, in Fallout, I guess by process of elimination, is number one, I think that the reason Fallout is number one for me is because there's so many more exciting action sequences, whereas Ghost Protocol, they have phenomenal action sequences, but also a great story, or at least a better story, in my opinion, than Fallout. But there's just slightly less of the action sequences. <laughs> and so because of that, it comes in at number two. But it's very, very close for me. I love Ghost Protocol. So Mission Impossible 2, Rogue Nation, MI3, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Fallout. That is um, my ranking there. Yep. So, okay, let's let's go ahead and jump into the movie. Um, I guess we can kind of repeat ourselves a little bit, but... Geneva, can you briefly share just your overall thoughts on this movie? It seems, yeah. given that we just gave our rankings, I think it's pretty clear that you <laughs> yeah. like it. But <laughs> I do. I really like this movie. Yeah. it. I mean, like you said, it rules. It's so exciting. And there's so many scenes in it. You're just like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Holy cow. How did they do this? <laughs> um, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise is a is maniac. <laughs> But also we love him for and that reason. And we love him for it, yeah. <laughs> but only when he's insane on camera. Off camera, it's like, oh, we're going to ignore that craziness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I think that I appreciate more on every subsequent rewatch of Fallout is, um, even though the story, like you, like we've both said, is it's very complex. It's not that it doesn't make sense, but it is Just, very... It's pretty convoluted. <laughs> it's very convoluted. It's very difficult to follow. But I think there is a really interesting through line in through all the movies but i think really ramping up in the last two with christopher mcquarrie um of exploring ethan hunt as a character and in this movie in particular i really love what they do with 
what it means to be Ethan Hunt, where you are constantly saving the world and the toll that takes on you because you can't have a normal relationship with a person, you know, because you can't, every time you allow yourself to relax and give up control and try and disconnect from the world, when bad things happen, you inevitably feel guilty about it. And that's just an incredibly hard place to be in, <laughs> you know, and I really love the fact that they explore that. And I love the fact, I think I actually, the first time I see, saw the movie, I was not crazy about what they did with Michelle Monaghan's character, just because I really love their relationship. I really invested in their relationship, but rewatching it, I actually really love the way that they decided to have the two of them, um, part ways because I think it's really beautiful the way that even though they love each other they both know they can't be with each other but they've changed each other for the better in certain ways you know she gave him the motivation to go on many times when he he didn't he didn't feel like he could go on and then by by turns he has given her this opportunity for a life that's really meaningful and fulfilling and she now is able to um you know she's now able to protect herself and go off into different parts of the world and help people and she's kind of doing a mini version of what Ethan Hunt is doing you know she's using her medical training instead of her you know multi language uh, technology jumping off of buildings save the world skills that Ethan Hunt has um but he's kind of empowered her in this way to be her own sort of smaller version of a um of an action star and I just think, yeah, it's it's their relationship is really beautiful. And then at the same time, I really love the character of Ilsa Faust and how she is such an equal for him. And the fact that they have built this relationship, which is, um, it's a little bit, it's sort of romantic, although not, it's not too much on the forefront. But this idea that he has built this sort of family and this potential romantic interest who are on the same plane with him and so he doesn't have to worry so much about their safety and that he can actually find meaning in and a home you know with these people that he works with and just sorry I'm I'm going on and on but I really love the how the movie highlights the fact that he is not you know in contrast to Spock and Wrath of Khan a couple episodes ago you know the um the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Ethan Hunt is like, no, the needs of the the few are the needs of the many. And he refuses to sacrifice even one innocent life for the pursuit of a greater goal. And that's something that is, I think, very unique in action movies or in just in society in, in general. And the fact that that is highlighted as his source of strength, I think, is really, really interesting and really beautiful calling back to you calling back to star trek wrath of khan i'm gonna call back to rrr and how for yeah. ram like his journey was going from this place where he was so focused on the many that he forgot about the few mm -hmm. and then his area of growth was recognizing like no the few are the many like you said mm -hmm. so um yeah it's definitely a powerful message um so I love this movie, which is why I chose it and also why it's number one for me in the <laughs> ranking of the franchise. Um, I I saw this movie for the first time when it came out in theaters and I went to go see it with a friend of mine at the time. Um, it was a complete blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I, I love I love having fun experiences in the theater. And this was something where everyone came out of the theater and everyone was just saying, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. Yes. I can't believe Tom Cruise did that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I read an article saying that he did that. But the way that they captured it was insane. Whoa, he was hanging off a helicopter. What? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just remember just enjoying that experience in the theater a lot. And ever since I left the theater, I just thought, oh, man, I want to watch this again. But also, I'm sad that I'll that I'll never have the experience of seeing it in a theater ever again. From now on, I'll be watching it at home. And I just remember being bummed about that. Um, but yeah, so this movie, this was my first third. This was my third time <laughs> rewatching it. It was still a lot of fun. Um, I think I'm I'm grateful that I understand the story a little bit more now than I did the first time I saw it. Um, it is definitely all over the place but if you concentrate it does kind of tie together in just weird ways um but yeah so Geneva I don't (laughs) I don't know if you want to like help guide me through this but because I literally I don't even know I literally don't even know how to talk about this movie other than just this is really cool or this part is super awesome (laughs) or whatever so I don't know if there's anything that you particularly want to highlight or talk about um I'm I'm sure. open to you helping me <laughs> with, <laughs> with this episode and Absolutely. all the other episodes. I am not open to your help at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious, actually, just to just to start off with, do you have any thoughts on sort of Ethan Hunt as a character or and or the way that he <laughs> was? Did you hear did that come through my microphone? <laughs> yeah. sorry um yeah ethan hunt is a character and the way that he has developed over or or the way even the movies have developed over the course of this six six film franchise well i think it's interesting because i i find that in a lot of movies that tom cruise does a lot of them just reflect his life in general of because we've seen it with Top Gun Maverick of like okay he's older now and what is his place in the world now that he's getting older and he might not be able to do the things that he used to do and I feel like a lot of the movies reflect him just as a a person Um, and I feel like this movie kind of does the same in terms of he's still this crazy action guy which he always has been but also there is this sense of okay, I am getting older and should I leave the IMF because people don't like me? Is this my opportunity to get out? People are trying to push me out. Should I leave? And But I love it so much and I'm getting drawn back in. But what does that mean? So um, that's not directly answering your, your question. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I do, I do like the growth. I think um, I, I, I've always liked the portrayal of um, his wife's character in this movie. I've always loved that layer. Um, and how it adds to his just his dynamic of understanding okay they really love each other but we recognize that us being together creates danger and I can't carry that with me all the time because I have a job to do and you don't deserve me having to disconnect in order to go do what I have to do because we both know saving the world is important I just think that's a really interesting dynamic um, I think it would be cool to see a movie just about that but that would be a totally different film mm-hmm. um but yeah, I do like how he evolves over time and, and he kind of becomes less of this um, ladies man kind of guy and more of just like a, hey, I'm just kind of a dad out here who wants to save the world, <laughs> even though he's not a dad. Yeah, I mean, but- he's really only a ladies man in the first 
two and even right. the first one even not that much just it specifically there's that sort of will they won't they with um graves's wife um i'm forgetting her name but two is really the only one where he sort of approaches that kind of james bond like oh i'm gonna meet a new woman and you know we're gonna sleep together and we're gonna you know be out doing these exotic um adventures and then we're never gonna see this lady again you know, yeah. by three, Michelle Monaghan has been introduced, and then he's a little bit more of a steady character in, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, but you were asking about the whole franchise, so I'm yeah, talking sorry. about from <laughs> beginning to end, not from the third movie moving forward. So, gotcha. um, yeah, I do like that evolution in his character, and um, even though we have that weird scene in this movie where that lady kisses him for no reason whatsoever like, i don't <laughs> i don't know why that is here but uh, i think she's okay. just a just to show that she's a chaotic uh <laughs> i guess character who does what she wants i don't know it's it's just it's so random um yeah i guess so one thing that i also wanted to touch on which i think a lot of people again agree with this and if people disagree that's fine but I remember after seeing um, Henry Cavill in the Superman movies back when I watched superhero movies, which I don't anymore. Um, but back when I saw Man of Steel, um, I watched that movie and I was like, oh, my gosh, Henry Cavill is super hot, but I want him <laughs> to be a good actor. But I can't tell if he's a good actor because Superman is such this, you know, stoic, but also kind he has of nothing to do. in that. He's movie. a very bland. He's just kind of a bland he was given a bland script yes. and so he didn't yeah. really have much to work with. And so this was the movie where I was like, okay, he's really, let's see what his acting chops are. And then I watched this movie and I just thought, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I was kind of, then, I was curious what your thoughts on Cavill in this movie would be. Every, every time I rewatch it, it gets worse. I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> you're really not, not a good actor. That's so <laughs> funny. My one of my brothers has the exact same take on on him. He's just yeah, do not understand the appeal. I I like him. I think he's fine. I don't think he's great, but I think he does what he needs to do. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he does what he needs to do, but in my opinion, he does it in a way that sounds like he's in an acting one hundred and one class. <laughs> so so I just. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah random it's... question um have you seen the man from uncle we watched it together one time a few years ago oh did we okay i can't yeah. remember yeah i've been reading meaning to rewatch that movie and rewatching this you know henry cavill doing an american accent basically i thought oh i should rewatch that movie i really love that movie that is one thing i do think his accent is good um... yeah he's a really really solid accent <laughs> it's just his delivery of the lines is not good but the accent's <laughs> on point yeah um, but he he really delivers on the physicality of it um you know in those fight scenes like the fight scene with john lark in the bathroom which like the oh fake my goodness, john lark the f well i think the idea is that he is the real john lark oh no he's oh no, no. of course he's not because he's a decoy. henry cavill is the the real john yeah. lark sorry yes yeah. he's a john lark associate um uh but yeah it, it's such a brutal fight you know i i watched that and i cannot believe that anyone makes it out of that um intact and when henry cavill is punching him you're just like oh man this man is now pulp <laughs> this man is now mush <laughs> like I mean, there's that famous, you know, that gif that went absolutely viral of him reloading his arms, which is just such a great little move. Have you you've seen that, right? 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For a second, you looked you looked like you didn't know what I was talking about. But yeah. No, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Yeah, I just... I wish, I wish that he had been better um because I was rooting (laughs) for him I really was who knows maybe one of these days he'll be in something and and he'll really just prove me wrong but yeah well people like him in that uh the witcher show which I've never seen um he's Mm. not gonna be in it anymore but um those first two seasons people seem to like that yeah I yeah I have not watched that I've also never played the video game so I don't really know um just how that I I don't know how well he's Anyway, I'm not even going to say that because I'm my brain is like not working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not seen The Witcher though. Um, I've been intrigued by it, but I'm again franchises. I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't, I don't support this. So in certain ways, so I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch The Witcher. Um, well, okay, here's something. So I did want to ask, um, do you, if this is even possible to answer? Could you perhaps tell me your favorite action sequence in in this movie? In this movie, oh gosh, yeah. Um, let me. I have to, I'll have to like talk through what are the big action sequences. So there's the um, there's uh, the fight in the bathroom. The fight in the bathroom, which is there's so brutal. The, there's the motorcycle chase scene. Mm-hmm. There's the helicopter fight at the end mm-hmm. where he's climbing a helicopter and falling from high heights. Yes. There's him <laughs> jumping out of a plane. Mm-hmm. And there's one more that I'm forgetting. The uh what's the I thought there was one huge one that I'm forgetting, but maybe that's all of them. Um yeah, that might be it. Yeah, was there was there one right at the beginning? Um, oh, there's the chase sequence today. when he's when he's chasing Henry Cavill on foot. That's the one I'm forgetting. Oh yes, of course, where uh, Tom Cruise famously broke his ankle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think out of all of those, probably my favorite would be the motorcycle chase through mm. Paris. I really like that one. Tell me why. I don't know. It's just I I love a. a um, a scene where you can tell that it's shot on location, which is the case for so many uh, scenes in the Mission Impossible movies, because again, Tom Cruise is a maniac and can, you know, uh, demand that things actually be shot on location so often. Um, but yeah, I think it it just looks beautiful. It's exciting. There's so many great um, little moments within it. And that also... I mean, it's not really a part of the action scene per se, but in that part of the movie is one of my favorite little moments, which again goes back to how much I love the way the Ethan Ethan Hunt character is explored in this movie, which is when they are bringing Solomon Lane up and trying to get him into the the car so they can transport him out of the city and they're stopped by that French policewoman. And um, Henry Cavill is all set to just shoot her and Ethan Hunt is trying to talk her down and just be like, just walk away, please, just walk away, just walk away. And then the bad guys walk up and shoot her. And he, again, you know, he can't stand to see any innocent life be sacrificed, even if it's for the greater good. He just goes ahead and shoots all of them and calls the police. And he apologizes to her, which is a moment that I love, that he's like, I'm so sorry you had to get involved in this. Like, you're going to be okay. Um, and I just love that, really love that little moment because it just shows again his humanity and his how much um, care he takes about the the innocent lives and the the collateral around him. 
I think I think we see a lot of his humanity in these movies because I feel like these films could totally go in a direction where it's just like, okay, Ethan Hunt's a badass and he's super cool and he's kind of on his own planet and he's just this cool guy who's running around doing all these things and blah, 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 blah. But I feel like these movies do make him very human in the sense that he has these moments of being like, oh, Oh, this is one of the things uh, I love most about it is how many times something will happen and he does not even comment on it to the people around him. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't like he's just like, oh, for heaven's sake, (laughs) like like multiple times Walker will do something really obnoxious that just causes so much problem so much trouble for ethan hunt and he's just like like that when they do the the jump out of the airplane and walker like totally gets hit by lightning and so ethan hunt has to do this entire like stressful thing in the air where he's giving him his oxygen and he's waking him up and he's setting off his own parachute and they get to the ground and walker's just like oh that that went so smoothly and ethan hunt is just like he just sighs you know he just he doesn't even say anything and it always cracks me up. Like, I think this is why Tom Cruise is such a great action star. Like, and I think the same thing about Keanu Reeves is it's so much fun to see your action heroes actually show that they're hurt or stressed out, but that because they are an action star, they can, to a certain extent, sh- shrug it off. But you can see that little bit of humanity glinting through, that little annoyance or frustration or resignation. Yeah, it's it's great. It's just so good. Yeah, I I definitely appreciate those those moments in this movie when he's just like, "You want me to turn right now? Are you sure?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh wait, no, left." He's like, "Okay, good, because I'm not going right." There's just all there's these moments where you know it could just I don't know. I feel like they could turn him into this superhero character where he can mm-hmm. do anything. He's just but, so calm or, and nonplussed by everything, and that's just not who he is. Yeah, or I feel like in movies like the Bourne trilogy, for example, I feel like there's a lot of Jason Bourne getting hit by so many things and he's just like, all right, I'll limp for like 20 seconds and then I'm fine. Whereas this movie, there is this sense of like, okay, I jumped across a building and broke my foot. I'm definitely going to like struggle a little bit or I just flew off of a car. And I mean, obviously there is still the action sense or the action trope of like, I'm going to get up and keep going in a way that's not humanly possible. But I feel like there is still a sense of there are stakes and he can get hurt, which is what makes these action sequences a lot more exciting because the character itself, there's this sense of he could get hurt. But then also as an audience member, there's the tension of like, he could literally get hurt <laughs> because he's actually doing all of these things. And um, and I, I just, I love that. I love how he's not this pompous asshole who's like, oh, I'm cooler than everybody else. Like, I'm only going to talk to my team or whatever. He's He's just a human being who happens to have this Mm-hmm. burden slash addiction to saving the world yeah and well this yeah. is why this is why ghost protocol is my favorite because i feel like the the burj khalifa sequence is the purest distillation of this is that ethan hunt does not want to do any of these things like he's not doing them because it looks cool he's not doing them because it's you know uh he wants to show off it is the only way to achieve his goal and he is the only person who can do it. Like Benji is not going to be climbing up the Burj Khalifa. 
No. He, if if it needs it needs to get done, and if it's gonna get done, it needs to be by him. And so he's just like, "All right, fine, I'll do it." <laughs> yep, he's the reluctant hero mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um. Dang. Oh, okay. So I did want to talk a little bit about um, Alec Baldwin in this movie. Yes, but because... wait, you, you haven't said what your favorite action sequence is in this movie. Oh. Yeah, my so I will say just in terms of the cinematography, I love those shots of him hanging from the bottom of the helicopter oh and all of the different camera angles that really make you realize and understand that he is literally hanging mm. from the bottom of a helicopter that's flying through a canyon of mountains. Oh, um beautiful. but that being said, my favorite action sequence in this movie is 100% the running chase scene with him and uh, Henry Cavill. Mm. Be- I I have probably literally rewatched that scene alone like over 50 times. I love that <laughs> scene. I think I think the film score in particular during that sequence is absolutely fantastic. And um, I, my favorite moment of that, obviously he's running the whole time. I love watching, like I love watching Tom Cruise run. I absolutely love it. Um, He runs in like every single movie and every single time it happens. I love it. I think it's great. Mm. Um, And I think that this is kind of the, the peak of him ever doing that. And then there's this one camera shot where I remember watching this in the theater and I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. And I was just completely taken aback. And it's the, um, the sequence when Benji's like, you're gaining on him, you're gaining on him. And then he's running and the camera, like he's running out from underneath this bridge and the, and the camera's slightly below him angled up and he's running through the, like there's a fence on the side of him. And because the fence is there, you get an idea of how fast he's actually moving because you see how quickly the fence things like the fence poles are moving by Mm -hmm. and the, and the music just like completely crescendos at that moment. I'm like, Tom Cruise is running at 300 (laughs) miles per hour. Like it's, it's it's crazy. It just Mm -hmm. the way, first of all, the fact that he's that age and he's running that fast is amazing and um the just the idea to have the camera like that and it's just yeah that that's my favorite action sequence in the whole movie i love how he just runs so fast for so long and there's also these humorous moments of him like walking through a Catholic mass yeah. and he's it's like, like I'm funeral. so sorry. It's like a literal funeral. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then he's like running in circles. Why is he running in circles? Like, yeah. Why don't we go left now? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a part where they're like, he should be right on top of him, but they're on a different level or something and he has to figure out how to get off like off the roof or something like that the part where he goes i'm jumping out a window or oh yeah that one yeah sorry that's what i'm thinking of yeah what are you doing i'm jumping out a window oh (laughs) okay good luck um by the way um we just need to give a shout of appreciation for simon Pegg as benji because he's he's so great in all of these movies just being the you know the comic relief that is also kind of secretly the heart and soul of the movie in certain ways. Um, And I just love his chemistry and rapport with Tom Cruise. Every time they have some sort of action sequence where Benji is trying to guide him through and has no idea how how difficult what Ethan Hunt is doing. 
Yeah. And uh, Ethan Hunt is just, you know, getting frustrated with him, but trying not to show it. And yeah, I, I love their dynamic so much. Do you think he gets frustrated with him? I feel like I don't see that. I think he gets frustrated with the situation. Yeah. Not with Benji. Because okay. he has a lot of affection for Benji. But yeah. things will happen and he'll just be like, oh, for goodness sake, like, why is this happening to me? And yeah. Benji is so oblivious to it. And he just has to be like, all right, all right, I'll do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think their team of three, I guess four, once Rebecca Ferguson joins, is 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 really great. It's a, um, yeah. I definitely miss Jeremy Renner in this movie. And I know some people don't like him and that's fine, but I do really like his character. Um, I'm excited he's coming back for for the last two, oh, I was, which I was is Dead Reckoning. He's coming back. Okay, good. Rumor has it he's coming back for Dead Reckoning. Who's, okay. Who knows if that'll actually happen, but rumor has it. Yeah. So, well, his character's technically um, alive and working for the, the CIA or the IMF, I forget. Yeah. Um... So yeah, let's let's talk about yeah. Alec Baldwin a little bit because I he's kind of he's kind of like Jack Black to me in a sense that whenever I see him in anything that's not a comedy, it just doesn't connect for me because I have so many <laughs> such I have such a relationship with all of their other comedic characters that I just don't it's hard for me to <laughs> disconnect from that. And I, I find it interesting that whenever, not whenever, but a lot of times when he steps out of comedic roles, he kind of always plays this FBI or police officer guy in The Departed. He's this like New Jersey, like, or is it New York? I think it's New Jersey. Um, he's like this New Jersey cop and he's like so, so intense. And um, I just find it interesting that he takes these roles of being, you know, police officers or FBI agents or whatever. And... I also, I mean, not that his acting is bad. I think, I think he gives a good performance. It's just for me because I always, I always see him as like, <laughs> you know, Jack from Thirty Rock. Yeah, it's hard for me to get past that. And also, that that scene where he has his moment, where it's his fight scene, and he's fighting um, Henry Cavill's character, John Lark. It's just. I, it's just funny to me because I'm like you and Tom Tom Hanks, <laughs> you <laughs> you and Tom Cruise are basically the same age and yet your fighting is so not at the same <laughs> level as Tom Cruise like uh-huh. but he's he's giving it his all he's doing a great he job is, and Tom is, Cruise yeah. is inhumanely capable given his age I feel like but um mm-hmm. yeah I just I just find his his casting to be to be a bit funny but that's just because I, I see him as Jack yeah. from 30 Rock yeah I don't have as much of a relationship with him in as that character because I've only seen some of 30 rock but alec baldwin is very much to me the type of he's the type of actor where you know he is a good actor you know i enjoy watching him on screen but he will never be anyone but alec baldwin <laughs> to me oh interesting. you know he shows up and it's just like oh it's alec baldwin you know alec baldwin is the boss yeah he doesn't okay. he's never disappearing into a character for me he is just and i mean you know that's that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's kind of what it is to be a movie star which he very much is but, you know, I'm like, oh, Alec Baldwin is in this movie and Alec playing Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I the first movie I ever saw, <laughs> the first movie I ever saw him in was I, I don't know. I think I was like eight years old or something. He played the conductor in one of the Thomas the Tank Engine movies. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And he was like he was so young and like little tiny and he had this blue conductor hat. Oh and that was my first time seeing Alec Baldwin. 
So I remember for a long time, whenever I saw movies with him or shows with him after that, I was like, oh, that's the conductor from the Thomas the Tank Engine movie. <laughs> wow. But, um, when would that have... I'm looking this up right now. I'm when yeah, I... I mean, I feel like I was like six years old or something. I was very young when I saw that. Okay. Um, so it's got to be at least 20 years old, at least. But He was the narrator in this one Thomas thing. Oh, he's been the narrator for several Thomas movies. Oh, he was the conductor Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Oh, I remember. I saw that in theaters. You saw that in theaters? Yeah, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, 2000. 2000. Okay, yeah, so I was very young. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I yeah, always have that so in funny. the back of my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, re- just, like, I have vivid memories of going to going see that this. in theaters with my cousins. Um, I don't remember anything about the movie itself, just that I nope. went to see it with my cousins. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is yeah. the podcast anyway. episode of Tangents. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what happens when you come in having taken no notes. Um, <laughs> well, I feel like this but... is a great movie for, you know, character actors and um movie stars you know it with it really interesting sort of weird careers and yeah I don't know there's there's a lot of um conversation that can come out of them yeah I think I think I remember telling you a few years ago Geneva that so I think this was maybe it was during the pandemic like when lockdown times or before that I don't remember exactly maybe it was before that but I went on a Tom Cruise binge where I watched literally every single movie that he's ever been in. Oh, wow. And um, and I <laughs> quite reluctantly determined through that watching just marathon that Tom Cruise is one of my favorite actors, which I wish. He's a good I, actor. Like, this he, is like, the thing. He's a great movie star. He's also a legitimately good actor. Yeah, I I think I didn't. I, I didn't want to admit that to myself because he is such a controversial mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, but watching all of his movies, I was just thinking, this guy's range is insane. And he's done so many fantastic roles. And he's kind of known as more of this action guy now. And I mean, deservedly so. He's an yeah. incredible action mm-hmm. star. But if you go back, I mean, he's done so many fantastic dramas and freaking comedy and Tropic Thunder. He's so mm-hmm. great in that movie. He just, he's such a fascinating just character. I feel like there's probably going to be, I feel like there there hasn't been any movie or documentaries or anything made about him because he's still alive and Scientology probably is doing stuff to like make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I feel like after he does pass, there's going to be some super interesting miniseries or movie that comes out that's like, let's yeah. really break down Tom Cruise's life <laughs> because he's super talented really interesting has this wide range a decade like multiple decades spanning career one mm-hmm. of the biggest film star movie stars of all time and yeah, yet i can't what, wait to like read what's the going authorized... on with his personal life yeah like, there's gotta be some sort of relate? like authorized like tell all the biography that's gonna come out you know 10 years yeah. after his death but of course you know knowing him he's gonna live to 130 <laughs> oh yeah the scientology people are getting him all the best meds they'll probably honestly tom cruise is probably a person where he's gonna pay some company billions of dollars to be like freeze my body mm-hmm. in a cryo chamber and then whenever the apocalypse happens you can like inject me with this thing that i've invented and i'll come back to life 
<laughs> if anyone could, it would be him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Honestly, I would not be surprised. Not, I mean, the whole coming back to life thing, probably not. But I would not be surprised if he had someone like freeze his body. I feel like I, I would totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. He is He's a fascinating figure. He's had a really, really interesting career. And it is so varied. And he's excelled in so many different roles. I mean, just even just in the last few years, you know, he's very much in his sort of action, action hero, elder statesman, not elder, but you know, like slightly older statesman <laughs> um, phase right now. But you compare the character of Ethan Hunt to the character of uh, Maverick from Top Gun Maverick this past year. They're both action movie heroes, but they are so different. And he plays them both so well. Yeah, he's he's genuinely a phenomenal actor. Not all of his movies are the best, but his acting in every single thing is superb. I just, I really admire him a lot. I will always be upset that he did not win a supporting actor for Magnolia. For Magnolia. Yeah, uh, but and that's I really hope fine. For his yeah, and I really hope for his career. I mean, I'm going to continue to watch and very much enjoy you know however many mission impossible movies and um you know top gun or other legacy sequels to his earlier movies he wants to make um but i really hope that once he finally gets to a place where he no longer wants to be running around and jumping off of buildings and risking his life i don't know if it'll be when he doesn't want to i think it'll be when, <laughs> when he's he no longer physically capable of it. cannot and when he's when he's 95 years old yeah. But I I, can't. Yeah. But I love what he did with his career in the 90s and the 2000s, where he was working with a lot of really interesting auteur directors and doing very interesting movies and very different genres. And I would love to see him go back to that um, later in his career and kind of see how different directors would be able to use him as he transitions into a, um, you know, fully an an elder statesman star. Yeah. I personally would love to see him in a Tarantino movie, but... Yeah, that's just oh, I would love that. Um, I'd love to but, see him work with Spielberg again. That would be really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, OK. What else? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the character of Ilsa Faust, um, played by Rebecca Ferguson. So I know. So you you didn't connect too much to Rogue Nation. Do you how much do you remember about her character in that? And what do you think of Nothing. her character in this movie? I don't remember anything. I don't really remember anything about anything from Rogue Nation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I think that Rebecca Ferguson, I mean, I think she's her she's just a phenomenal actress. She she I don't know. She's just as great in every single thing that she does. Um, as far as her character, I think for me because literally up until the beginning of this episode when you explained it to me, I didn't understand anything about what her character was doing or why. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she, like her storyline didn't really connect with me as much. It was just kind of, okay, here's this lady who's going to show up who has a connection with Hunt and she'll like deus ex machina a million times over and <laughs> just like do all of these things. Um, but I mean, I think her performance is good. I think um, – I think she's a great physical actress. I don't know how many of her stunts she's actually doing. Um, that would be an interesting thing to research. But, yeah, um, I had I had a thought while I was rewatching this. I wondered whether she got her start in dance or anything like that because she, I think she really does well with the the physicality and the the choreography and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I I mean, I love Rebecca Ferguson. I think the first thing I saw her in was before, I think this was kind of her breakout role. I think she was nominated for a Golden Globe or maybe an an Emmy. Um, But the first time I saw her was in the Showtime show, The White Princess. And uh, Oh, you watched that? I did. Or was it The White Queen? I think the first one was The White Queen and the second one. I always get those confused. Whichever one was her season, though, I watched it when it came out and I really loved that show. Um, And her performance was great. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited for her and her career and where it's going. Um, I think that she's really establishing herself as this badass lady who can can really just kick butt and be super powerful, but then also be such a commanding actress at the same time and show a lot of different range and versatility in her performances. Um, Yeah. I like her in this movie. I don't, I can't really speak to the character because I didn't understand it until an hour ago, but yeah. 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 And I really would again. um, I mean, I already said this, but I I would encourage you to go back and rewatch rogue nation. And even if you don't, still don't particularly connect with it just pay attention to her character and what her care where her character is coming from and the relationship that develops between her and hunt because i do find their dynamic really really interesting but most you know it's first established in rogue nation and this is a continuation of kind of where it goes from there but i love the fact that they're both equals you know they're both agents at the very top of their field and she always has her own agenda that's going on that is sometimes puts her in the same, you know, sometimes she and Ethan have the same goals and sometimes they're running at cross purposes, but there are always reasons for it. And so just seeing the two of them kind of develop this rapport where he's like, even if she has a different goal, you know, she wants to kill the person he's trying to protect or whatever it is, he always wants to find a way so that they can ultimately both get what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the addition of her, of her character. Um, and I like that. I, I, I like the idea that Ethan Hunt has a connection with somebody that is within his, within his field who can understand like the, this drive that he has to save humanity, but also have the ability to be able to like keep up with him as he's running around because not many people can, I mean, basically no one can. Yeah, um, I mean, the but... other members of his team, like, they have different strengths. They're not out running and jumping off of things the way the way he is. She's kind of the one who is, right. who's doing that. But she even gets shocked by it sometimes, too, because at the end she's like, is he, how is he going to get on that helicopter? <laughs> and, and then Benji's like, I, 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 I choose not to look. Like, yeah. Just like, uh, it's better. It's don't better worry not about it. He'll look. figure it out. Just, yeah. <laughs> best not um, to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is I feel like Ethan Hunt isn't even thinking about what he's doing. He's like, I don't know. I'm just going to run after this helicopter yeah. and see what happens. Exactly. I, I, gonna well, I don't it. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I love I love just the concept of Mission Impossible, the concept of this is an impossible mission and it just automatically gives these stakes of just yeah. really high stakes of we don't know if this is going to be pulled off, which obviously we know it will be. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just love the concept yeah. of the IMF. I and, love the tactility um, of like the things that they do in terms of, you know, so much of it relies on let's use a rubber mask or let's build a hospital room and convince this person that, you know, we're now two weeks later and his plan has succeeded so that he'll tell us what we want. You know, it's just, it's, it's kind of silly in a way, but 
it's so cool. <laughs> like, I yeah, don't know how to describe cool. it, you know? It's super cool. Uh-huh. Like, I remember that was what I really connected with when I when I was young. I watched uh, the first season or so of the original TV show, which is a really fun TV show. I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but, you know, all of the blueprints are there. Like, these are the same things that they were doing back then. You know, they were putting on masks and applying makeup, and they were tricking people into thinking things were happening. And the, in the show... The episode, it's usually something that is not as high stakes as the movies, understandably, because for a movie, everything needs to be higher stakes. It's usually more like, you know, we need to trick this warlord into thinking that he has this payment so that he can, um, when he goes and tries to buy this weapons, the deal won't go through and that'll prevent war in this like little or torn region or something you know it's it's usually a little bit smaller and more localized but that idea of we're influencing all of these events and we're helping people by sending in this one super specialized team who can um kind of trick and manipulate and uh put on a show <laughs> essentially uh in order to get these things to happen i don't know it's just a really cool idea and it it lends itself so well to TV or movies. Yeah, I think I think it's such a cool idea that Tom Cruise himself is ripping it off in other movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about this, which I don't necessarily mean it as a criticism, but I do think it is something worth bringing up that a lot of people don't. But one of the things that I kind of, it didn't make me not like it, but one of the things that I found kind of, I guess, comical about Top Gun Maverick was I watched that movie and I was like, this is literally just a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> this is not, it's just wearing different clothes, but it's mm -hmm. essentially the same thing of like, here's Ethan Hunt and he's given this impossible mission and he has to assemble a team and they have to pull it off. And if they don't, <laughs> then the world blows up because of nuclear blah, blah. And I watched the movie and I, I came out of it and I'm like, why why is no one talking about this? Why is no one acknowledging that this is literally a Mission Impossible movie, but in airplanes and called Top Gun Maverick? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't... See, I agree with I you, but I also that, think that that was a brilliant choice on their behalf. And I, I love I mean, that movie. I, I just... I'm not saying whether it's brilliant or unbrilliant or good or bad. I just felt like from the very beginning, it just was distractingly funny to me yeah. because the whole beginning is like, here's your mission. Should you choose to accept it? Like we've got this pot, you have to fly through blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is, is no one else finding this hilarious? Well, because you know, like he's found his niche and uh, he can bend it to, you know, take that basic template and use it while playing a very different character and a very different part in his life, you know, exploring different themes. But you know, it is like you say, it is still the same Mission Impossible yeah. template. And for me, it begs the question, which granted, maybe this is an insufficient question to ask because it's just different times and we've moved forward a lot in the last few years and the Academy is slowly changing very, very, very slowly. But I just wonder why is it that Top Gun Maverick can be nominated for Best Picture and Ghost Protocol can't because in my opinion, feel free to disagree. I know you love Top Gun Maverick. In my opinion, Ghost Protocol is a way better movie than Top Gun Maverick or or Mission Impossible Fallout, I think is better. But it's like, why is it that Top Gun Maverick is nominated for Best Picture, but these movies aren't? And like, granted, Ghost Protocol came out, what, fifth, 10, 10 years ago now? And it was a very different time. Um, and I think ch things have changed since Black Panther was nominated a few years ago. Again, very slowly. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I think I the know. answer to that really is largely contextual. Um, you know that that this was well. I think also, um, and granted, again, I wasn't really engaged with the franchise too much before, well, at all before seeing Ghost Protocol because that was my introduction to the franchise. Ghost Protocol, my impression is that that very much revived the franchise um, because originally that movie was envisioned as Jeremy Renner is going to take over this franchise and it's not going to be top, Tom Cruise going forward. And then they changed their minds and basically said, no, actually, we're going to keep Tom Cruise <laughs> as the head of this franchise. And I think that movie was so well received and well reviewed. And then the, the subsequent movies after that have just grown in how well received they've been i think now fallout i could see that maybe having get gotten talk about a best picture nomination but i don't think that the academy culture was there yet um i mean there is a lot of resistance to nominating franchises in general but particularly the sixth entry in a franchise <laughs> you know um so i think the the fact that Top Gun Maverick got a nomination and Fallout didn't, I think, is partially a result of changes in Academy trends and also partially a result of, even though this is technically a franchise movie because it is a sequel, uh, a sequel, it's a sequel after such a long time period and there aren't, you know, five movies ahead of, uh, before it, there's only one movie before it. Um but I mean, I am very happy that Top Gun Maverick got a nomination because I love that movie and I think it's really well done. But I would also have been super thrilled if Fallout had gotten a nomination or Ghost Protocol, even though I, I don't think there was a world where that was ever going to happen. Let's just, since this is the podcast of tangents, let's just go on a tangent about yeah, how, how the Academy gets everything <laughs> wrong. Every single, oh, yeah. Every they, single they don't year. nominate horror <laughs> movies. They don't nominate action films. They don't nominate foreign language films once in every blue moon. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. good gracious, Academy. Yeah. Good gracious. Yep. They just, uh, they're never going to get it completely right. I Nope. I, I like a lot of the choices that they made this year. Um, I think they're hopefully moving in some good directions, but, you know, it's just, it swings one way this year, you know, one year Parasite will be uh, win Best Picture, and then, well, the year before was Green Book, but, yeah. you know. Some years, Bohemian Rhapsody gets oh, nominated like 15 <laughs> times. It's, it gets nominated for Best Editing. Why is Bohemian it Rhapsody not for Best, for best editing? editing? Lest Wait, we won? forget. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, if people haven't figured this out by now, we are recording this episode long before the Oscars, even though I know this is being released after the Oscars. So <laughs> yeah. we're talking about Top no Gun Maverick. We don't know if it's going to what it's going to win or what it's not. So uh, mm -hmm. anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's I, I hope that someday we can live in a world where um, things like like we could have a year where Top Gun Maverick gets nominated and RRR and, mm -hmm. you know, a movie like Pearl. And, you know, it's like th that should be that should be possible. Yeah. And I if the, wish if the that quality of the movie deserves it, then, yeah, there should be no limit on the the genre or the the mass appeal of a movie that keeps it from getting nominated yeah okay so let's come back to mission impossible uh geneva is i think i don't know is there anything else specific that you want to say if not we can 
close out i mean i don't want to bore people by advertising this as a mission impossible episode and we talk about mission impossible like 20 percent of the time so we talked a fair amount one actually one thing about it um just related to the franchise as a whole within in the context of fallout i was noticing as i was re-watching because again i um i rewatched the first mission impossible movie over christmas break and I noticed that Vanessa Kirby's character is canonically the granddaughter of Max, who is the arms dealer played by Vanessa Redgrave in the first movie, which I thought was a really cool little uh, connection that I'd never picked up on before. And I've also just, I'm so excited for the next Mission Impossible movie. I've watched the trailer for it like 10 times. And I love the fact that have you watched the mm-hmm. have you watched the twenty minute featurette on YouTube showing how they are how they pulled off the him riding a motorcycle off a cliff? Oh, of course. Actually, I think I didn't watch it on YouTube. They played it. I think when I went to see Avatar: The Way of well, Water. Well, here's the thing. So they play it because they played it before my showing of Avatar: The Way of Water. But what they show before that is a very shortened <gasps> version of it. Oh, There's really? literally like a twenty five minute um featurette on youtube from i think it's universal pictures i don't remember which studio puts it out but it's like a full Mm -hmm. thing you should watch that instead because in the theater i was telling everyone around me i was like if you think this is cool look it up on youtube because (laughs) they go way more in depth and it's way longer (laughs) i might wait until the movie comes out to watch that because oh okay because i don't I don't know. I don't like I, I'll watch trailers, but I usually try not to watch too much behind the scenes stuff before a movie comes out. But then I can be very hypocritical about <laughs> inconsistent about that sometimes. So Yeah, that's so confusing to me because I feel like pretty much majority of the time that you watch things, you tell me, oh, I looked up the Wikipedia plot summary before I watched it. <laughs> I'm like, wait. What? Well, it's more like if it's like a big visual Since when thing. Have you I'm started like, doing this. <laughs> no, it's more like if it's a big, you know, here's how we did this stunt or something like that. I'm like, well, I want to see the stunt first in the theater, and then I'll watch like the behind the scenes on how they did it. But um, yeah, I can be very inconsistent about that. Because um, I feel like that helps me appreciate it more. Because I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh man, I know what went into pulling this off, and it was crazy, and that makes it even it adds to the cool factor for me. Yeah, um, I can see that. Oh, but where was to the... each their own. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I can be very inconsistent about it. But anyway, sorry, where I was going with that was um, <laughs> <laughs> I got very excited because the trailer shows um, that Henry Zukri, I think that's his name. Um, is coming back and he played this the um imf head in the very first movie there's a great tense scene between him and tom cruise where he suspects that tom cruise has gone um has turned and has gone rogue and tom cruise has to escape and so i feel like they're really in these last few movies christopher mcquarrie is just kind of circling back to the first movie in several ways and that makes me really excited because i just you know, I love the um, the franchise having connections between the movies and awareness of its history and where, you know, Ethan Hunt was at the first and where he is now. And yeah, so I just I, I'm, I'm getting very I'm very excited about the next movie. And um, I love all the, the Easter eggs and call outs to the first movie because the first movie rules. Yeah, I I'm really excited for, I mean, Geneva, we've talked about this already, that this summer box office of 2023 <gasps> is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, so I wait, mean, what else? Got, yeah, so, we've so, got- so we so we have Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. We have Oppenheimer. 
we have Barbie, we have John Wick 4, we have, um, you might know Marvel movies that are coming out this summer, I don't. Um, um, I'm actually kind of disconnected from the Marvel movies at the moment. I know there's a... Maybe uh, they have none coming out this summer. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a Captain Marvel sequel that's supposed to come out at some point, but I'm not sure if that's going to be the summer movie or if it, it's going to be... Oh, they have um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out at some point soon. I'm guessing yeah. that's their April re- release, but I'm not quite sure. Oh, and we have the new um, Into the Spider-Verse movie. <gasps> yes. Oh, I, I mean, this summer's going to be insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Which, I mean, I'm super excited about it. I love it so when fun. summer, when the summertime has fun movies, because it doesn't always happen. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's just like, this is three Marvel movies in the span of three months. And I'm like, I don't want to watch literally any of those. Give me something else. And there isn't. There were too many Marvel um, movies in the last few years. I will. I yeah. will admit. Yeah. Uh, the last few years? How about the last, like, 10? <laughs> Well, it was um, um, with the the pandemic because that delayed them, and so they were releasing a whole bunch in a very short spurt of time, and all of yeah. them were pretty mediocre. Um, you know, post Endgame, the quality has gone down for this phase quite a bit, and so me and a lot of other people are very burnt out on Marvel at the moment. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's going to be super exciting. I'm really, I'm really pumped for uh, uh. Oh man! Uh, oh, crap! I just said it. What's it called? Mission Impossible. Uh, Dead Fallout. Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for part one and part two. But at the same time, I'm really sad because I feel like those might be the last times that we see Tom Cruise. You know when they're splitting it play into a, a role part like one this. and part two. Yeah. yeah, but not even just in terms of Mission Impossible. I think it might be his last time doing action stuff. And I mean, I I do hope that he continues to have a career after that. I think he probably will, but. It just makes me think of if I ever have a book series, like when I was obsessed with Harry Potter and I finished Harry Potter and I was like, oh, that stage of my life is over. Yeah. Or when Game of Thrones ended and I was like, okay, season seven was terrible and season eight was incredibly average. But also this has been a part of my life for a really long time and I'm sad that it's over and I won't have this experience anymore. And um, because I have been a part of the Mission Impossible kind of journey since the very beginning because uh, I saw the first movies I think the second one was the first one that I saw and then I watched the first one and kind of went from there but it's been a part of my life for a long time and um, I think it's a very special very special type of thing because movies like this aren't really made anymore slash arguably were they ever married have you er, married <laughs> oh my gosh well, clearly they were are they ever... made anymore it's just they're very rare because it, it it's such an incredible amount of talent I mean in the sense of like a person who's willing to literally put their life on the line. Oh, like, you mean like I don't a movie think star that's, like that? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, I don't most think movie that's stars ever, like their life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's happened really before, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. Tom Cruise yeah. is this special kind of crazy that is exciting to watch, and I am sad for the day when that's no longer a part of the movie going experience. But yeah. That's a depressing note to end on. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, he's um, with Top Gun Maverick, like a lot of the young stars of that movie talk about how he really took them under his wing and was mentoring them and, you know, explaining to them, um, you know, principles about how movie making works and how to make things look good on screen and what audiences will expect and how to deliver and things like that. So 
I'm really hoping that, you know, as he does move into that next phase of his career, he can continue not only working with really interesting directors who are going to challenge him and stretch him and, um, you know, use his persona in very different ways, and but also that he can kind of be a mentor figure and be, you know, encouraging that kind of filmmaking to continue and helping next generation of movie stars be ushering in and also be creating you know, maybe not risking their lives to the exact same degree, but also be, you know, creating really great, um, fun, entertaining, um, these. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, this movie is really fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if, if, yeah, it's just, it always makes me want to go back and watch all the Mission Impossible movies because they're so good. Oh, um, sorry. Side note, one other little side note is just re-watching this movie today made me realize I really think Sean Harris is becoming one of my favorite character actors of all time. I just get, I, he, I was first introduced to him through Rogue Nation. I'd never, maybe I'd seen him in other things, but I'd never really noticed him in anything before, but he pops up in so many little things. Like, I mean, he's fantastic in The Green Knight, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, let alone of the last five years or so. Um, he was in um the michael fassbender Macbeth that i watched a few weeks ago um he's wonderful in that and yeah i just really love his sort of weird um you know he can be play creepy but he can also play kind of gentle and fatherly in in other instances you know so he's got that range and so yeah i i really like sean harris and i'm always excited to see him pop up in things yeah, I I feel like the only things I've really ever seen him in are the Green Knight in this movie. I'd have to go through his filmography. Maybe there's more that I've seen, but yeah. Well, I um, forgot he was in. Um, did you see Spencer, the uh, Kristen Stewart? Yeah, I did. Who was he in that movie? He plays the um, the cook who kind of she has this sort of very gentle friendship with. He's kind of encouraging mm. to her at certain points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember really liking that dynamic. I forgot that he played him, though. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch that movie again. I know I liked it more than you did. I genuinely really like that movie a lot. Yeah, with um, me, it's like, it's not that I don't like that movie. I think that movie is incredibly effective. It's just, is this a movie that should be made, you know? Like, yeah. I, I feel queasy watching it, seeing how harrowing, emotionally harrowing it is, and knowing it's about this real figure who is no longer alive and never really got to tell her side of the story. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the movie itself is, is really well made and really well acted. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, do we tangents. have any, do we have any closing thoughts on this movie? I apologize everyone uh, that we, I mean, we talked about it a fair amount. Are there other, are there other things about the movie itself that you want to point out? Even just like little moments that really stand out to you and you really enjoy. No, I mean, it's, this is just a movie that's really hard to talk about. I mean, it's the action sequences are just not only is Tom Cruise insane, but also the way that they capture it, like the camera technology that they've, and they've been very open about this with this movie, as well as with dead reckoning that's coming out. Like they're inventing new cameras in order to capture these things because these things haven't existed. And there's just so much innovation here. And I love, I think the film score is such a, 
such a perfect partner to this movie. Um, it really elevates it to another level. I think the ensemble cast is great. I don't think there's any weak link in any of this ensemble cast at all, which I think can be rare sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's exciting. There's so much going on. I remember the first time watching it being shocked by all the twists and turns of, oh, you're actually in a simulated room or this person's wearing a mask or this person's not who you think they are. Even though I literally knew that Henry Cavill was John Lark the first time I saw it, probably like 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah, well, to be fair, Um, they established that he's crooked very early on. Like, I'd forgotten how early on they established that. Yeah, like it it's pretty easy to tell pretty quickly. Yeah. Um oh, actually no, speaking of ensemble cast acting, I don't think Henry Cavill's performance is that great now that I think about it. Um but yeah, I just think the stakes of this movie are so high and it just does a really good job of executing things and one of the things I was actually thinking about while watching this final sequence with the helicopters and everything was um, one of the things I love about just the art form of cinema, and I remember learning this in in like a film class that I took in college, is that films are able to create this magic of altering time Mm -hmm. because the last, you know, what, 40 minutes of this movie is them trying to acquire this detonator and (laughs) stop the bombs from going off. And it's 15 minutes, but it's like a 40-minute sequence. (laughs) And so they're able to just kind of cut in certain ways that we probably get about 15 minutes of screen time of each of the different people, which adds up to like 40 minutes, basically. But because of the way that they're cutting it and moving it around, it's so seamless and it's just done so well that there is just this incredible building of the rising action and then the the falling action. And um, I think that a lot of times kind of talking about the Academy and action movies, a lot of times people don't necessarily make note of the beauty and all of the hard work that goes into these action films. And it can be an action movie and have fantastic editing and fantastic cinematography. And it should be appreciated for that. But a lot of times it's not. Um, And I think that this movie is, it's just, it, it, I think it excels at all of the different art departments or, all of the different departments, whether it's location scouting or casting or cinematography or score or production, like all of it, I think it just excels at. Um, and I think it just lends itself to a really, a really great movie and a really fun time. And I think that this is a movie that could be enjoyed by anyone, anywhere, uh, of any age. It's just, it's, it's really fun. So yeah, I like this movie a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Could not agree more. Very well said. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, I guess, move on. I mean, I feel like I, I should say more things, but I don't even know how to put my thoughts together. That's probably <laughs> partially because this movie is hard to summarize, but also because I'm brain dead because of work. So it is what it is. Um, <laughs> Maybe when Dead Reckoning Part 2 comes out, we can do a, um, you know, if we like both those movies, we can we can do episodes on yeah. that and the franchise as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So just to get into some awards regarding this movie and just kind of the legacy. So as we touched on before, this movie was not really um, recognized for anything. So that's unfortunate. Uh, wait, wait, was it really not? Maybe I didn't do that. I feel like it would have gotten at least I sound believe design it was, or something. Um... <clears throat> Did I? I thought I... Yeah, I was just looking. It was nominated for Best Sound at the BAFTA Awards, which is nice. 
Okay, so it wasn't okay. Yeah, so this movie was not recognized also by the Academy. Nominated for at all best outstanding stunt ensemble for the the SAG Awards, but um, it's basically it for the major awards that I can tell. Yeah, so that's unfortunate that it was ignored by the Academy, but uh, you know it's to be expected. But regardless of what the Academy thinks about it, it was very well received by critics and by audiences. Um, This film holds a score of 86 on Metacritic and is 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And there's one particular review that I found that I liked that I wanted to read. So it's written by Joe Livingstone from The New Republic. And it says, The sixth movie in the Mission Impossible series is a truly maximalist work of art. The plot is stupid, but the stunts are terrifying, the tension vibratory, the muscles rippling. In short, it's a masterpiece. And I would agree with that. I don't know if I would use stupid regarding the plot. Yeah, but, that seems a little uh, harsh, but... Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely... Convoluted, a bit, <laughs> I think is a good Yeah, like convoluted and maybe a little bit silly, but um, other than the word, which it's I feel an action is kind movie. of strong, like, that's, stupid. You know, that's a feature, not a bug. Right, yeah. Um, but other than that, particular word choice I do agree with that uh, review a lot and it is a masterpiece Uh, and I think it's one of the best action films that's ever been made in my opinion Um, so yeah I feel like I mean just to I feel like Geneva and I have kind of already talked about the things that we that really impact us with this movie but I guess for me I'll just go back and reiterate um, the sequence when he's just running forever <laughs> chasing after John Lark like I said I've rewatched that sequence literally over 50 times most likely uh, I just think that that is an incredible sequence of filmmaking the editing the score the stunts the com like the comedic aspects of it the choreography the stunt like I think that entire sequence is just I just think it's it's a beautiful work of art that exists within this action film Um, And it's super well done and I love everything about it. So, and I remember watching that for the first time in the theater. I was so hyped when that music just crescendos when he's running by that fence. I was like, I've never seen anyone run this fast. This is crazy. You go Tom Cruise. You go Tom Cruise. Um, But yeah, what about you, Geneva? Is there any particular moment in this movie that kind of sticks out to you and makes you keep coming back? Yeah. I mean, I've already talked quite a bit about the... um, how much I love what they do with the character of Ethan Hunt in this movie. But um, I think in particular, just the the conversation with Julia, his ex-wife at the end of the movie, where she talks about how much, um, how she doesn't regret ever, you know, he apologizes to her basically for being in her life and all the upheaval it's caused. And she's like, no, I, I love the life that I have. And I'm really, I love you. And I'm really grateful for, you know, are being together and everything that you've taught me and and given me and the way that they're able to then kind of part and go their separate ways after having changed each other. I, I thought it was very sweet. And I was, I was, I was tearing up a little bit (laughs) as I was rewatching it this afternoon. So, yeah. I love how that impacts you so much. Um, yeah, I found great. myself getting really emotional and watching a lot of things recently. And I'm just like, what is going on? I feel like I'm tearing up everything <laughs> I watch. We can talk about that offline. There's probably, <laughs> let's dig into that. I just love movies. <laughs> What's going on in like the depths of your psyche? <laughs> um, if you're feeling super emotional, would not recommend watching Close. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to maybe wait on that one. <laughs> you might become a ball on the floor because uh, it's rough. Okay, oh. cool. So that concludes our Mission Impossible Fallout episode. And who knows? Maybe we'll come back and talk about Ghost Protocol at some point because it sounds like both of us yeah, I really like that. that movie as Absolutely. well. So uh, maybe that'll come up at one point or another um and more tom cruise movies will definitely come up because there's a lot of his that i like so yeah this is not the end for tom cruise or for mission (laughs) impossible on this podcast um but yeah geneva can you uh can you go ahead and share with us what we'll be discussing next week Yes, i'm very excited next week we are going to be watching the 1950 movie all about eve starring betty davis Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be <laughs> a, a bumpy, bumpy ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. And we will come back at you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.